0: You are here, my friends, because you believe in the LGBTQ community and the importance of sharing our individual stories to help impact one another. The goal of the show is to introduce you to people and ideas that are going to help motivate you to pursue your passions and inspire you to believe in yourself. Okay, We've had remarkable people on our show that are here to share their experience, strength, and hope with you. And today I'm honored and privileged to bring to you Miss Jessica Lamb, I'll be welcome to her to the show. Woo! Yes. All right. So, Jessica Lamb, talk to me. You are a, a legend to me.
1: Oh my goodness, am I that old? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the uh, it's not, I don't think it's about the age. I think it's about the impact that you've made. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, I came out during a time that was very difficult to come out. So.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about that. Let's just dive right in. What um. Tell me a little bit about, you know, your story, what it was for you growing up, how you discovered, you know, who you really were.
1: Yeah, well, I was uh, born here in Miami, Florida, back in the early 70s, 1970 to be exact. And uh, it was an interesting time. Um, And, you know, at a very young, I I was born to Cuban parents, young. My mom was 17. My dad was 18. They were, you know, really young when they had me. So, but you know, kids, you know, parent kids back then were having kids when they were kids still. So yeah. not like today where we meet, we're like 30 or 40 to have kids, right? Right. But um, no, it was, it was an interesting time, but you know, at a very young age, my earliest memories were that of feeling that I was not in the right skin, that my body was not matching with what my brain was telling me. And, um, but having being raised in such a traditional, stereotypical Cuban Latin family, It wasn't something I could explore or even talk about you know and it wasn't that I wanted to play with girl dolls and it wasn't that I you know was like so feminine that I you know wanted to do the housework with mom kind of a situation (laughs) hey Um, I don't want to do the housework with mom but it was just one of those inherent things I mean my heroes Mm -hmm. of the time were people like Captain Kirk and Fonzie, you know. Oh, really? Those That's are like awesome. my, those are my heroes. But you know, there was like you know Dukes of Hazard and Catherine Bach and you know Heather Locklear and all these beautiful women. It was one of those things that yes, I was attracted to them because, folks, I was. on lesbian trapped in a boy's body Um, but um, it was more about I want to look like them how do they move so MTV was brand new in the 1980s so by the time I I hit my my uh, early preteen years I was watching MTV and just watching how women were moving behaving and I would in the middle of the night so that was the time of night that I used to do the girl things that I wanted to do Right and so, um, I would shave my legs. I would fix my eye. I, I had like this flock of seagulls haircut when I was younger, right? So this, your my hair used to cover my face, kind of like that, you know. And, and so people couldn't see my eyes. And, yeah, you know, teachers would be like, "You can't see in class." I'm like, "I can see perfectly fine, teach." <laughs> you know, and and uh, but. No, it's not true, because I, I could barely see right, my hair of in front of Right, course! But the thing is, though, is if you asked me to do that, you'd see perfectly arched eyebrows under there, and I didn't want anybody to see those perfectly arched eyebrows, because, you know, at 2 o'clock in the morning, I'd be with, like, you know, uh, the fashion magazines of the time were Sears catalogs, so with the Sears catalog, I would be like, you know, okay, how does, you know, I, I like, there was a picture of uh, Elizabeth Montgomery. She had the most perfect eyebrows, and I wanted my eyebrows to look like hers. So, yeah, so I had to hide that. I didn't want anybody to know that I, would, I was plucking my eyebrows right. at the age of, like, 13. And, you know, and it was like from one day to the next, I used to wear shorts, and the next day I was never wearing shorts ever again because I was shaving my legs. And the moment that somebody would discover that I was, oh, I'm on the swim team. You know, I'd make up some sort of excuse. Um, but, no, I wasn't on the swim team. I was on the bicycle. So I was a bicyclist. So, you know, Kevin Bacon shaved his leg in a movie when he was a bicyclist. And I was like, yeah, like that guy in the movie over there. <laughs> Kevin Bacon's so, great. So, yeah, <laughs> but so um yeah it was it was tough i had to make up things you know as to why i was just a little bit off or a little bit different yeah um you know it was actually back in 1970s i want to say 77 or 78 i was watching a merv griffin show at my aunt's house and that's where i learned the terminology transsexual transvestite and what i saw on tv were these men who had become women and i was like fascinated by that because they were living my truth on TV. You know, I didn't have internet. I didn't have an iPad and go, okay, I like to wear girls' clothes and I'm a boy and so what am I, you know? Yeah. Um, I didn't have that growing up but I had TV and that's that's where I learned that. And that's why, you know, I was looking to how women were dressing and I would do that by watching MTV, you know, so. Um, but of course, they were over-sexualized on TV and it's just that was a that's another story but um, what was it
0: like uh you know coming out to your mom i know that you you came uh, out at the age of 13 right i was
1: about 13 or 14 years old when i came out so it was yeah three o'clock in the morning and what's really interesting right so not only did i a funny story so here's one um when i was about eight years old yeah. in my hallway closet there was I mean, I knew if I wanted to shave my legs, I needed, number one, some shaving cream, and I needed a razor. So my dad's razor was always sitting, you know, on top of the uh, of the uh, sink there, and I'm like, okay, there's dad's razor, so where's the shaving cream? My dad was old school. He would just lather up with soap and, you know, use that. So I guess that's what my mom was doing when she was shaving her legs was lathering up with soap. But I was like, you know, I might cut myself if I right. do that. And so in the closet, in the hallway closet, there was a can that looked like a shave because it had barber you know stripes on it and I, foam would come out when i pressed press the top and like oh let me use this <laughs> and so I would sneak it into the bathroom under my shirt and I would you know spend hours in the bathroom you know fixing myself my dad would come knocking you know why are you taking you know my mom would be like why are you taking so long my dad's like oh he went in there with a magazine I know what he's doing leave him alone <laughs> you know so and I was getting pretty um
0: <laughs> they only so. knew that was so funny
1: what was going on what was there? really
0: going on you know? But, um,
1: yeah, so here I am with this barber Stripe, you know, thing, and I'm shaving my legs at, you know, the age of eight and nine years old. And, um, and it's funny because later, you know, I was 13, 14, before, you know, my mom discovered me one night. Um, I uh, saw this same – we had moved into a new house, and I saw this same bottle sitting in the shelf in the, in the laundry room. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is the same shaving cream I used to shave my legs with. Why, why is it here? Why do we still have this? I would figure it would be done. And I look at it, and I was shaving my legs with shoe polish. So <laughs> I thought it was, but, you know. And it was foamy at the and top. And it was foamy. So that's why my legs are so shiny. Um, <laughs> it's but, too funny. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I also, you know, I knew that, you know, depilatory, right? That was a term I learned when I was in my young preteen years. Again, I didn't have mom to ask these questions. If you're a little girl, you ask mom about these things, but not me. I'm like learning it on TV and stuff. Yeah. And I heard, okay, waxing legs. I'm like, okay, we've got candles in the in the in the laundry room. So I oh would I would like at two o'clock in the morning with one of my mom's pots melting, you know, candles just so that I can shape so I can pour it on my leg. Oh my god. And the wax. and let it dry. And it was, yeah, I realized later it was the wrong kind of wax and I needed <laughs> some tools to make that happen. But again, these are the struggles that I yeah. went through just doing this. So, you know, I was about 13, 14 years old, and I was up in the middle of the night doing my thing. I love Jessica Beals, right? So I had this sweatshirt that I cut and kind of threw it over my shoulder. That scene where she's like taking off her bra underneath, I wanted to learn how to do that. Um, and I would wear leg warmers, but you know, I couldn't ask my mom for leg warmers. So I would take my big socks from the 1980s because we all used to wear our socks over our, our, our jeans back then. Yeah. So, um, so I would take my big socks, cut the bottoms off of them and turn them into leg warmers. So, you know, so one of these nights that I was dancing around like a little maniac in the living room, my mom, I, you know, I see her coming out of her bedroom and she's coming out and I'm like here dressed up in like girls clothes and you know, here's her little boy in the living room. Oh my god, I think she's on me and I ran into my bedroom and it was on the other side of the house and I closed the door and I took off what I was wearing, threw it underneath the, the 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 bed there and I was like, Oh my god, oh my god, I hope she didn't see me and I realized I left the light on in my room. I was so worried about taking my clothes off and putting something else on, I didn't even think about like turning the light off. Right. And my mom walks in and I'll never forget this conversation and the importance of this conversation is 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 a a a vivid memory for me um for me this idea was like a movie reel right yeah we have all these thoughts in our head and somehow there was this movie reel on loop i'm a girl i'm a girl i'm a girl and it was not a thought that i could ever get rid of and so you know i had this conversation with my mom because I figured for sure she saw me and she was testing me and and wanted me to come out with the truth. So I found the courage to share. Now realize also in Miami, Florida in the 1980s we had Anita Bryant who was really attacking the gay and lesbian community. Forget transgender. We didn't talk transgender but transgender was kind of lumped right into that community right there as deviants essentially. Drag queens. and Drag kings. and, um, And so you know that conversation was important to me. If you ask my mother about this conversation, she's like, I don't know that I remember that conversation, right? But, again, with that movie reel, it was like all of a sudden, press record hit in my brain because this was an important conversation for me. And I told Mom, you know, sometimes at night, I I pray to God that I wake up tomorrow and be a girl. That my outsides would be swallowed up into my insides and, and everybody would forget that I was a boy and that they'd see me as a girl. And I feel this way. And mom I shaved my legs and you know that's why I was out in the living room and I'll never forget my mom just like whitewashed her face was like you know she sat there you know um before I even told her uh she she asked me you no know, so what's wrong right and I, I I said to her you know mom I've got something to tell
0: you
1: right that's the last thing a mom or a dad wants to hear at three o'clock in the morning, you know? Because like I said earlier, there's one of three things going on, you know, in the middle of the night. One is no good, but I was a goody two-shoes and I still am. Um, Or, you know, you're sick and not feeling well, or you couldn't get to bed, you couldn't sleep. Yeah. So, um, so my mom naturally was like touching my forehead. And I remember this, she's touching my forehead. She's like, you know, you don't feel warm. And she's like pressing my belly. Is your belly hurting? I heard you coming out of the bathroom. And, okay, I'm gonna tell you, Mom. And so I told her that, you know, I wish that I could be a girl. And um, she was, didn't tell me what I wanted to hear in that moment. Now, in that moment for me, the only thing going on for me was figuring this out. Right. It was all about me in that moment. So I, I have no clue what Mom might have been feeling. Now as an adult, I revisit this conversation. So, you know, when I first told her, there's something wrong, my mom grabs the dress. She's like, ay, mijo, ¿qué pasa? <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and she told me, well, I had a son and not a daughter. Um, God didn't make you this way. And if you are to think those things and act on those things, well, you can get hurt. People will, will hurt you, and I don't want that for you. Right. All I heard from my mother coming out of her mouth was, I don't accept you. I don't love you. Hide it push it away, she was like, you know, play more sports, date some more girls, sure mom, that's going to help because I'm a lesbian, <laughs> so, um, you know, right, and you know, funny thing is, is that, you know, my mom always thought I was gay, just turns out she's right, just not the gay she thought I was, correct, so, you isn't know, that interesting, yeah, but um, yeah, and you know, later in life, when I came out my, in my 20s, uh, she said to me, you know, it would have been much easier for me, for you to be gay than to be transgender because by being transgender when I'm trying to introduce my son my daughter it's hard for me because the moment I introduce you as my daughter and they know that I have a son they're going to ask me to explain this and so my mom internalized a lot of it and she you know thought she was responsible for it she thought that it was her fault yeah Um, I can understand that I I think a lot
0: of parents feel that way when their kids struggle yeah
1: And, and you know coming out to her at 13 or 14 with those words and she said those things to me and in my mind I was like she doesn't love me she doesn't you know care about what I'm feeling the truth is she did But I didn't hear what I wanted to hear. But in her mind, remember, we're talking about 1980s, 84, 85. Right. We didn't have internet. We didn't have support groups like that. We didn't have, you know, the world has gotten better and more educated on this. You know, that's why back in the 90s I decided I needed to make a difference and and share this information. But um, so she responded to me with the information that she had in that moment. Now, somebody would have said to her, you know, that 50% of these trans kids will attempt suicide before 21 if they don't get that love and acceptance. Even today in 2021, it's almost still 50%. One out of every two trans kids will take their lives when they don't get the love and acceptance. It's still the highest suicide rate. It's getting better, but it's still not good enough. Um, But, you know, it was difficult for my mom. And so as I revisit that conversation, she was coming from a place of love because what she didn't do is and I know this because as I started to give back to the community and work with youth groups and, and different groups of kids she didn't say get out of my house I don't want you here she didn't come after me with a belt she didn't pull out a gun you know she didn't kick me out and say go live with your grandmother she told me I had a son out. Of, she was coming from a place of love and I think when you come from a place of love that's Carmen. And yeah. you know she told my father eventually. And the way my dad took it was, uh, <laughs> this was, this was my dad. You know, my dad was one of these typical, stereotypical Cuban men, machismo, machismo. Um, but he came with me back, if anybody knows who Ann Landers is, it was like one of these like editorials um, where people would ask questions to the newspaper, you know, like, oh my God, my husband's cheating on me. You know, what do I do? Well, in this particular... Um, article uh, on from ann landers there was a paramedic who wrote in and said um, I was out on call and I had to cut open the clothes of of my patient and when I did this person this man was wearing feminine undergarments and why was he wearing feminine undergarments and of course you know um, and Landers responds back, well, this is probably somebody who's a transvestite, and you know would throw this. Earth. So my dad sat me down when I, we're gonna need to have a conversation, and he sat me down and gave me this article. And says, read this, and I'm reading it, and I'm a punk, you know, at 14 years old, and I'm like, I threw the article back and forth. I was like, okay, dad. So I'm like, shh, you know, in my pants, and um, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, he knows. My mom told him, and I was like, okay, dad, so what? And then he just all he did was like. I know and that was the end of the conversation (laughs) that was it dad you know um and ironically enough you know as I got older it was my father who was my ally my advocate wow um and I I really appreciated him for that um you know when I my father passed away it's gonna be god like 12 years almost now 11 back in 2010 he passed I'm sorry um yeah that was hard um it was unexpected but I was at his funeral. And I met so many people. We threw a funeral together for him, like, quickly. Um, it was, like, because it was unexpected. And we just we put out an obituary, and we asked a couple of friends, and hundreds of people showed up to wow. his funeral. And I'm like, who are all these people? I'm looking at my siblings. I'm like, who are these people, you know? Most of them were teamsters from UPS that knew him. Um, they called them a chino. <laughs> and uh, there was this one woman who... Me. Now, my dad was one of these men who wasn't like, I love you, dubby, and hugs and kisses. You know, he would give me a kiss hello, and, you know, rarely I ever got a hug from him. Usually it was a kiss hello, and that was about it. But, um, you know, it was one of those things that, you know, I wanted my dad to tell me I, to, that he loves me, that he's proud of me, right? Because every kid wants to hear that from their parents. I'm like, you know, 16, 17 years old, Dad, can't you tell me you love me and you're proud of me? I'm working so hard, I get straight A's in school, He's like, well, do I go to work every day? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, do I come home every day and I sit down and have dinner with you and talk about our day? Yeah, we sometimes do that. Well, I don't need to tell you I love you. I'm showing you. That was my dad's way. But then I'm you know, still a punk at sixteen. Right. And like three words, Dad, come on. You know, I'm proud of you right you know, that's four. But you know, yeah, yeah, I love yeah. you. One of the right. so You wanted that
0: you wanted that, um the, the compliment, the the, the gratification, yeah. the acknowledgement. Right? Exactly,
1: exactly. Yeah. So, you know, here I am at my father's funeral and seeing all these people and this one woman. Now, if I knew what a lesbian looked like, she was probably a lesbian. So um and she approached me and says, You're the oldest, aren't you? And I'm like, Yeah, I, I am and uh, she said, you know, your dad used to come to me all the time, and he would tell me stories about you. And, and he told me that after, you, you know, you and, he and his, his wife had split up, my mother had split up, um, that when he started dating, he would tell the women he dated that my son is transsexual, and if you're not okay with that, then there's the door.
0: Wow. Powerful.
1: And I'm like, wow, you know. And he, she was telling me how... Proud he was of me living my truth, and wow, that really moved me. And when I went to go ask my mom, "Mom, do you know this lady? Because she worked with Dad for like thirty years, and I've never met her before. Maybe at a picnic, but I don't really remember this lady." Right. And my mom's like, "Yeah, you know that uh, we met her a couple times. You know, she we did meet her at picnics. So when we go to UPS Teamster picnics, and, uh, and she said, you know, it was your dad who helped me.'" My mother said, your dad helped me. He's like, so this is our kid. we got to love our kid anyway and help my mother get through that. You know, there's a period of time that when somebody comes out, whether you're LGBT or anything under the rainbow umbrella, right? Um, yeah. that there's this process for parents or loved ones or people that are close to you to come to terms with that you know and there's a process of of mourning there's a process of losing something in that moment and in my mother's eyes she lost her son yeah Um, and she had to go through that grieving process because when I was I told you when I was 14 she shelved it back here in the back of her mind and in my 20s when I came out to her again I was like mom this is real this is what's going on I even wrote her a letter Um, she's like I don't want to see you wearing a dress and I'm like okay I don't need to wear a dress it's okay you know as long as you love me What's ironic is that, you know, flash forward five years later, and my brother's getting married, and she's like, we need to find you a nice dress, and we're in, like, Macy's shopping for a dress. And I'm like, I'm not comfortable in a dress, Mom, so a so nice pantsuit be great, you know? Yeah. So, and she's the one now chasing me with makeup because I look older than her. Now. So, it's um, <laughs> funny. Yeah. But, you know, she had to come around, and yeah. it was her process, her transition, if you will. Right. And, you know, to see the figure of the son that she had envisioned... And lost, but to see the person that I eventually become. My mom is proud of me That's amazing. she is a good friend of mine, so I don't go a day without talking to her. So.
0: That's amazing. Thank yeah. you for sharing all that.
1: She's my hero. I, you know, when you talk about heroes and sheroes and people who are real legends in my mind are those loved ones and family members who have to change their entire belief systems and thoughts about this individual yes. to still be a part of their lives. Because you know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference, right? Yes. So how powerful to realize that I have no control over what's going on over here. You have no control over that, that camera over there sometimes. you know, It yeah. doesn't work the way you want it to. So all you can do is react to it, right? Correct. You can decide how you're going to handle that situation, and that's the power you have. So you come out, I have the power to say, well, I'm transgender and I'm going to transition and this is my truth and this is my authentic self. But if you are my family member or loved one or my employer, you have your own belief systems. You've got no control over the decision I just made because I made that decision. You might try to control it and stifle me. Again, you're just reacting to that information, but ultimately you can't change. So either you decide to change your belief systems to continue to be a part of this person's life. Or you choose to let them go, right? Or cause them to harm or damage.
0: And that takes a lot of courage and, and wanting to. And those and, are the, the to heroes. Educate. Yeah. Are those
1: people who, are like, you know what? It's okay. Yeah. You know, let's work through this.
0: That's amazing. And you mentioned you've been on a lot of, um, you know, shows. You've been on Larry King. You've been on uh, Ricky Lake. Um,
1: Don Francisco, Maria Alvira, I've been on Despierta America, I've been on a lot some Spanish programs, I speak Spanish too.
0: Yes. Not my first
1: language, but yeah, actually it was my first language, but English took over and that became my first language later in life.
0: And you shared a lot of powerful stuff on there, and you even wore a dress.
1: I did. Yeah. Now, when I was on the Spanish show, it was interesting to see the dynamic and difference on stereotypes for gender between Latino America, you know, television shows and American shows, right? They wanted me. The, the Latin American shows wanted me to be dressed up in high heels and short skirts and made makeup. up with lots of makeup. They wanted me to have that sort of like drag, sort of ultra feminine appearance on there. You know, Larry King was was cool with whatever. I God bless your soul, Larry. You were amazing and. Such a humble and kind man. Um,
0: he like, asked you some difficult questions, though, in my opinion. You, you know, know, and he, some people
1: are not happy with the questions he asked me. He's like, how you know?" It's it, it's like it was intense. Know, so, like, you're a lesbian, you know? And I'm like, "Yes, Larry, I am." You know, and people were like, "You know, duh." It's like, "Come on," you know. It was,
0: but not everyone understood. Not everyone well, grasped. What the was concept. so great about
1: Larry is that in between takes, right? You know, and it's time to go to a commercial break. He would say, right? And during the commercial breaks he'd sit over and he'd lean over and goes Jessica, you're my co host you know and and he would say um, that's amazing stuff and he's there comforting me through nice. and I said that's a great story I love that you know and it's funny because I'm looking at Larry Larry's got his suspenders his little bow tie but he's wearing skinny jeans underneath that desk <laughs> with like and on this particular day bright yellow Converse Canary sneakers
0: oh that's and too I'm funny. like and
1: I was kind of being a little sarcastic and funny Larry those are great sneakers down there you know and it's so funny because he whipped up his sneaker and he says yeah I love to collect Converse sneakers I have a whole closet full of these you know and he's like they're showing me and then all of a sudden I'm, I see the countdown, twin nine eight. And he's still talking about his sneakers, and then as I'm like getting nervous, and all of a sudden he whips his his foot back down, and we're back with Jessica <laughs> And it was such an amazing experience with him. And then he apologized later. Says, "Listen, I know some of the questions I asked you were probably inappropriate or probably sounded stupid, but it's what America wanted to hear, and that's why he asked those questions."
0: Wow. So, yeah. Well, I have a couple of questions. Normally, I don't write stuff down. Um, but I was really intrigued, and I, I, I want to ask you some stuff that I think might help the community. Um, what would you say, how do you become proud of the person you are?
1: Ooh, well, that is a very intimate question. Yes, because, it is. Because um, it varies from to person. I can tell you my story, but your story is going to be different. You know, there's a very basic human need to figure out who you are. So the who am I question? Whether you are black, white, yellow, or anything in between, male, female, intersex, anything, or if you are like a you know a man cub like Mowgli, you know, yeah. at some point you're gonna ask yourself, well, who am I, and how do I fit into this puzzle piece of life? You know, what's, why am I attracted to people this way? Why do I feel like I need to dress this way? Why do I have these opinions? Why? And how you answer that question, who am I, that's what makes you you, right? So, you're different. You're right. unique. There'll never in the history of all space-time continuums be another soul like you. Correct. Ever, ever, ever. If I take you and take your, your hair and clone you and create another you somewhere, is it still you over there exactly and you think exactly the same? No, you'd be like, this person looks like me, but that's not me. Right. That goes to share your soul a little bit. You know, you clone me, you're going to get Jesus Lamb, okay, (laughs) not Jessica. And that Jesus may not want to change his gender, or maybe he will, and maybe he won't end up being like me, or maybe she won't be like me. I don't know. That's another Jessica. That's another Jesus. Right. Um, That goes to show how individual you are.
0: So how do you, what what advice do you give to others that are in the process of that self-discovery mode?
1: Be kind patient
0: with yourself or with with others
1: with both but most importantly
0: I think yourself right absolutely with
1: self so you know first be kind and patient to yourself right it's a journey folks you know I know for most people who fall under this gender expansive umbrella right because this is the term we want to use now because it was transsexual transvestite in the 20th century Um, that's antiquated we barely use those terms anymore especially transvestite that's just kind of disappeared from our vocabulary
0: is it considered disrespectful in a sense or no? It
1: depends. People self-identify. Okay. You know? So you're talking about identity. You think about, okay, how do I answer this question? How am I going to tell you about this? Right. And that's your personal experience. That's you coming to terms with that. So you find a term that you're comfortable with to talk about yourself. So some people, same thing with pronouns. People think about pronouns. What pronouns would I feel comfortable people using with me? right right sometimes they and them is a transitional pronoun yes okay um or sometimes it's a pronoun that they decide to use for the rest of their lives demi moore i don't think is looking to transition so, Demi is comfortable with they, them, and that's the pronouns that we're using. And I was watching a talk show the other day. Somebody referred to her as her, and the, the guest was like, no, they and them. You oh, know? wow. And that's great, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's important, you know, and it's a process and a transition for everybody uh, involved. But when it comes to self-identity and figuring this, this stuff about yourself, you know, I always say when the moment you figure out who I am and how you fit. That's like a superpower. That's like putting on a Wonder Woman outfit, you know, or a Superman outfit and just knowing the truth. Right. Um, and one of my favorite books of all time is The Diary of Anne Frank. So yeah. here's this young little girl in the worst possible situation that you could put a kid in. Right. Living under floorboards with the Nazis coming to take you away to a Holocaust, you know, um, to, to, a, to a concentration camp. I'm sorry, it was the horrible Holocaust. And you read the story, and you still read a story about a hopeful little girl who enjoyed some happiness in spite of everything going on. Her life story was tragic, but she never lost her faith. And that's because she knew who she was. And And I think it's just amazing that when you discover that about yourself, I mean, life... Again, God grant me the serenity things I can't... I can't change how that people are coming after me right. saying these things. But I can control what I feel about myself very true so.
0: very true in time right we have to be kind to ourselves to be able to get to right. that level
1: so yes of course it starts with self because you can be that change that you want to see by setting that example you set examples for others correct and that's how you can enact some change so and it's okay to be who you are just as you are exactly as you are so even if you're uncomfortable with what you see in that mirror that person standing in front of that mirror is still you so what is that person in that mirror, that reflection looking back at you, what is it about that person that makes you special? And mm-hmm. that is the strength that you carry with you every day when you discover what makes you, you and special. Yeah.
0: And, you know, I think some of our biggest insecurities are what make us us. You know, what, the things that we're the most insecure about are what people love about us the most. You know
1: the good the bad the ugly yeah (laughs) so you
0: know it's like those are the things that they're gonna remember the things that we were probably insecure about and talked about you know but that they're that they would really generally miss and I think it's embracing those insecurities that helps us get to that place of self identity you know
1: and sometimes you're ahead of the curve you know I knew this about myself back in the 1990s and that's when I transitioned. started my transition in 95 but I was not living in a world that was friendly to me. On the contrary, you know, that's when we saw movies like Boys Don't Cry, you know, wow, about yeah. Brandon Tina and about yeah. trans people getting killed. And so, of course, my mom was petrified that somebody would She, you know, you're going to be on Larry King. Listen, I say A.C. and B.C. When I say A.C. and B.C., it's after Caitlin and before Caitlin. Yes. So, you know. What's... Love or hate, Caitlin, you know, um, she was an important pop icon in our culture, in our pop culture, to really bring this to the forefront. Right. Right. So back in the 20th century, we had somebody called Christine Jorgensen. If you don't know who she is, you'd look her up. Now, certainly she was not the first person to have a sex change operation. Is the way, you know, oh my God, a man who became a woman, sex change operation in Germany, landed in, in, uh, you know, in the United States. And, you know, But, um, that was an important person back then because it put a face, you know, um, I, you know, I mentioned it to you earlier, you never really know the impact you have with the world, usually until after you are gone. Right. It's people who remember the impact that you left. Um, most of us are still just trying to get by on a day to day basis, struggling with the same problems as anybody else. Yeah. You know, and, um, and you know, we do our best. So. What's
0: what's something that you wish you could see more in the community as a whole?
1: Goodness gracious! Well, it was the LGBT, it was the LGBT community when I was in the early twentieth, twenty first century there, Um, and now it's LGBTQ. Q, A, and we've gone through all the letters of the alphabet, so we've now put a big plus on there, because, you know, we want Disney Plus, we got H, you know, what is it, everything's got a plus behind Everybody's it. Everything's got a plus now. You know, so now we want to be LGBTQ Plus, so, because we are more than, but, um, you know, the, the message is, is, you know, the T used to fall off, the. we used to say the T would fall off the table, because when we were fighting for saying the rights to marry our same-sex partners or to adopt a child because, you know, we're in a committed gay or lesbian relationship and we're fighting for all these laws. The one group of people that we forgot about were the trans people. Um, And today, in in modern world, and, you know, thank you, President Biden, for reinstating some of the progress we made during the Obama administration, that, um, you know, we get certain... Rights that we deserve to have because we're humans too, and we deserve the rights as any other person. We, you know, we shouldn't be discriminated against, but we still are. Right. Um, you know, there may be laws out there protecting us now, but the bottom line is: Do you have enough money to afford an attorney to go fight for your right? And most trans people just yeah. will fall back into the background and 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 take it. You know, um, and unfortunately, that's been the case for um, more than a millennia. However centuries ago this was a culture of people that were celebrated and that's to me is fascinating to see that is
0: fascinating we got to get back to that
1: would be great you know there was a time in in our indigenous cultures where we saw two-spirited individuals and these individuals were the most celebrated because oh my god they had the experience of both masculine and feminine male and female they embody both of these things surely this person's got some knowledge that they can impart with us. This is a special person. In India, oh my God, this person will bring, you know, joy to my family and make my life prosperous. The Hedra were celebrated, you know, in Indian culture, you know. Um, and, you know, Western civilization and religion and just, you know, beliefs and things of that changed, you know. Um, is for the indigenous people here from the, from the Americas, um, we had the Spanish conquerors come here and decided to uh, try to eradicate these people because they were you know blasphemous and and you know in the eyes of god and so it became an anathema uh, at that point so yeah
0: wow thank you for sharing that that's very deep and i didn't know about all that yeah
1: there's so there's a history we didn't just pop up in the last century right it's been around for a while so but it's really only been in the last and actually even having surgeries (laughs) is not brand new because back in the Roman Empire there's a Legab I always have problems with the Elagabalus right so he was a Roman uh, emperor who actually offered half of the Roman Empire to the to the doctor who could make him into a Wow. So, this is in the Roman Empire. So, not even new, you know, to have these surgeries. It was in the back of somebody's mind. It certainly, it's got to be possible somehow, you know. So yeah. I wish there was some magic or a genie I could rub the lamp with. So, those are my three wishes. My first one was always to be a girl. So. And the other two? Uh, you know, to make a change in the world. Uh, you know, Do you feel like you Peace you're doing on earth that? and all that stuff. You know, if there's one thing I want to impart to everybody is to make a mission statement for your life. Mm, okay. I so like that. find something that's important to you, something that you're passionate about, something that you feel good about. And take that mission statement and make that something that you do that you use to work towards for the rest of your life, wherever you are, you know. So for me at the age of 14, my mission statement was to make a difference in the world. Yeah. That's a broad statement. And most people want to say I want to make a difference in the world too, right? But how do you make that difference? Well, I was a musician, so I wanted to write a song that would touch your heart. You know, that was my first make a difference. And I've come to see at the age of 50 now, 51, each decade of my life has been about creating that change that I want to see, which is why, you know, in the you know late 90s, I started doing panels and working with my dear friend, Dr. Marilyn Volker, and educating her, you know, um, classrooms you know she asked me would you be on my panel and share your story and I'm like sure you know kind of a situation and you know I did that for a long time and that's why eventually the producers of Larry King you know gave me a call and said hey and you know I I had to go through a vetting process and of course the more I was talking to them on the phone the more I was like can we fly you to California now and I was like sure because in 2007 we didn't have a great deal of this representation here I was because you heard about it and usually, you would associate it with like violence or rejection and whatever. And what Larry's producers found fascinating is like, you're a pretty normal girl. You know, you live the typical American life. Yeah. You know, you've got kids that you're raising, and you've got you know trouble with the PTA and you know stuff like that. And I eventually, you know, that was the angle they were going to go. Is that you know? So and but you know, there's a reason behind that because I knew. When I was going to go through my changes, that I, there were people that needed to adjust to it. And what was important to me was that my family was going to be okay with it. Right. And so, um, so I took my time. Life is this journey, right? And so that journey, life is short, but as you get older, you realize that like every 10 years, there's like a shift in your own life you'll start to see that as you as you grow older it's interesting when when they talk about you know the the wisdom uh, that our elders provide and now that i'm becoming an elder if i'm not one already (laughs) um i start to really see this and that's just sort of knowledge that i've just taken with me I mean, how amazing it is today that a kid can decide, oh I'm gender queer. You called me queer back in the eighties and you were calling me a derogatory term. Correct. You know, even if you called me a bitch, you know, you were calling me a derogatory now we use a bitch, please. Come on. Right. You know. And <laughs> it's like, you know, it's one of those things that, that and Marilyn says it all the time. Uh, she says to me, you know, we and this is not just Marilyn, but this kind of goes back to, you know, um, what what has been said over time is that we stand on the shoulders the people that came before us so we hope that our world can progress better by standing on those same shoulders so you know jazz Jennings stands on my shoulders you yeah know? Um, I remember meeting jazz's mom you know at a panel um, at FIU and jazz you know was maybe about five years old at the time and mom said to me how amazing Jessica you just gave me hope for my daughter Wow so that's incredible um,
0: and look where jazz is today you know killing the game getting,
1: getting a law degree so yeah, yeah
0: that's awesome yeah. that's awesome we
1: were gonna write a book together as a matter of fact oh so, wow yeah. a children's book which I did eventually publish but yeah.
0: and the, what ensure that with us the adventures
1: of Tina and Jordan so
0: we'll have to check that out yeah. um, so just to kind of wrap it up what is what's the legacy deep down inside that you want to leave behind as a, as, a, as a human being, as you know, an individual who's true to their authentic self, what's the legacy, the, the message that you wanna leave behind to the people out there that don't have the kind of support that you were able to have, to the people that are struggling, to the people that don't have any hope?
1: Well, I'm gonna share this, um, and this is not really my story, but it, this is a young person that I, I worked with um, she and she was she at the time uh, was going through a hard time uh, and she was in a, in a middle school and I was doing a presentation for her middle school and she approached me afterwards and said to me, Jessica, what a lovely story. Um, you know, I've struggled with the same idea too. And, you know, I came out to my parents as a lesbian. And when I did, they were not okay with it and they kicked me out of my house and I'm living with my grandma now. My grandma loves me. I'm like the princess in my, mom, in my grandma's house and I'm the apple of her eye and, and she's okay with my girlfriend coming to visit and everything, but Jessica, I feel like it's more than just being a lesbian. I feel like I'm a boy inside. And I don't like who I see in the mirror. I want to be more, but I'm afraid that if I were to come out and be my authentic self, I'll lose everything. My grandma is not going to be okay with it because I'm a princess. Right. And my girlfriend doesn't like boys. She likes girls. So I'll probably lose my girlfriend. So what do you tell a young 14-year-old kid that by living their authentic truth, it gets better? Because sometimes it doesn't get better. Right. Sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. Right. You know, and it only gets better because why? You're learning to be who you are, your authentic self. So what do you tell? So I said, I said to this young person, tonight I want you to do a little exercise and stand in front of your mirror. And I want you to look in that mirror, and I know you don't like that reflection looking back at you, but find something in that mirror that you love about that person and use that as the strength to move on to the next day. So take it one day at a time. You've not no control over what the world is going to react towards you. And in the end, if your girlfriend's not okay with you being a boy, then that might not be the person for you. But I can't say that because this is your life that you're living. It's okay to be who you are. And I said this earlier. It's okay to be who you are, just as you are exactly as you are. So what do you've got to do? Because as you start to build the strength, you look back at this person, this person grows stronger because every day you're making a positive affirmation about yourself. This person's growing stronger, and this person's finding new networks and new people to associate with. Here's some numbers for a youth group. Here's, you know, and there's plenty. If you look up online, there's, we have that resource now, right here, yeah. in the palm of our hands. Now, there's good resources and bad resources, so vet them, make sure that you know um, what this organization's about, and you know do your research before you get involved. But there is support for you out there, and there are people out there. And you're gonna, you're gonna get people who are gonna be great with you, people who are not, people who are gonna misgender you, people who are gonna not be okay with you because I thought you were this, and now you're something else. You take it one day at a time. Life is this journey, and you just have to go. You know, Oscar, Oscar Wilde uh, said, um, "You be you, because everybody else is taken."
0: Very true. What a wise man. Thank you, Jessica, for being on the show. It was My a pleasure. great experience. Um, having me. You killed it, <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm honored to have you on the show. So thank you. My pleasure.
1: Thank you. Be well and be safe. Yeah. Hey. Hey.